Psalm chapter 6 is where we begin. Psalm chapter 6, beginning verse 1. If you find your place, please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 6, beginning <coughs> verse 1. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. 
Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, many of us have been vexed. Lord, we've been through a lot. <coughs> Trials and tribulation and trouble and hardship and illness. We've lost loved ones. Lost jobs or homes or many things. But Lord, you are faithful to stay with us through all of that. To give us your mercy, your unfailing love. And God, I pray that you would help us to recognize your grace and mercy. <coughs> that we haven't done anything to earn those things. But because you were steadfast, Lord, you have given them freely to us. God, you are worthy of our praise, our adoration, our respect, our fear. And Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you today. That we would submit ourselves to your will for our lives. And that you would send a great revival in our souls. Help us, Lord, to lead the people around us to follow you and to serve you. Help us, Lord, to lead the lost to salvation in you. God, forgive our distraction, our failing, our weariness, our anger. God, forgive our grief, our deep sorrow. Lord, help us to be filled with joy, a fountain of joy. Lord, to have rivers of peace flowing through us. To have an ocean of love. To show others how vast your love for us is. God, make us channels of blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, Psalm chapter 6 begins with David being in sorrow and being vexed. And a lot of our lives are like that. Now, you know, we begin with trouble. And trouble starts and we, we are overwhelmed to a sense. And then by the end of the psalm, David's, he's saying, well, my enemies are going to have trouble, not me. <laughs> he gets the strength that he needs. And so we begin here in verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? How many of y'all ever had to go pick out your own peach tree limb? Could you raise your hand? I want to see. Several of you. Mmm, that's rough, isn't it? 
Nobody enjoys discipline. Nobody likes it. Um, Daddy, you're making me do something I don't want to do. You know, there are things in your life that you have to do that somebody else requires of you that is not your will. And God has many things that will come at you in your life that He knows all about and He allows to happen or sometimes He causes to happen to prepare you for what is coming. For this passage, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, beginning verse 3. When we talk about discipline, David said, how long is this going to go on? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Sometimes we're ready to give up, give in, we're just done, we're tired of it. We don't want to face any more. Verse 4 says, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Do you fight against sin in your life? Or do you just let it flow right in? Sin causes death and you know it, but sometimes you give yourself over to it anyway. It doesn't help you. It doesn't benefit you in any way. But for some reason, you're addicted to sin. That reason is your flesh, and until you're delivered from it, you haven't yet resisted unto blood against sin. Verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. It does not feel good to be gotten on to. Anybody ever been talking to you just with a normal voice, and you say, Stop yelling at me! It feels like they're yelling because, because you feel small when you're being disciplined. When, when you've been chastised. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm a grown man. You know, who's going to chastise well? Sometimes even my children can say words that make me feel about this talk. When they hold up the standards of the Lord before me, well, Daddy, doesn't the Bible say this? Well, you're right, it does. I'm going to hush. Verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He's going to chase you and whip you. <laughs> That's what that verse says. He's going to get after you. I've heard preachers say the old gospel woodshed. We didn't have a woodshed, so I, I never got taken behind a woodshed. And I don't think my parents even bothered to take me anywhere. It was just right where <coughs> I was at. How many of y'all got taken out of church when you were young? I've, I've heard some, yeah. Uh-huh. It wasn't because you was praising God so loud that they thought you ought to go outside. No. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Discipline is not fun, but it says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He puts you through the ringer. He'll take you the way you are, but he refuses to let you stay that way. He's going to discipline you because he loves you. And I've seen the result of people's lives when they have not had any discipline whatsoever. They'll barely bring their hand to their mouth with their own food. Slothfulness. 
refusing to labor. Paul faced it in the early church because people started selling everything they had and, and giving it to the church and they were all one kind of community and, and some of them took advantage of that and they said, well, great, I get to eat every day and don't have to hit a lick at nothing. And he said, you know what? If you don't work, you don't get to eat. He wrote it down, he put it in a letter because there were plenty of people that were willing to take advantage of that operation. Discipline. It's necessary. Verse 7, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? If he wants to conform you to the image of Christ, he's got to get you out of your own image first. I couldn't imagine being a military recruiter trying to get some of these young folks in the military now and get them to go out and run and run and run some more and do push-ups. I don't envy their job because there are business owners around here now trying to get somebody just to show up to work to push a button. It's too hard to get up out of the bed in the morning to go push a button and make some money. Much less the military. I've known folks that I'm tired of my mama's house. I'm going to join the military. <laughs> Isn't that the funniest thing you've ever heard? Let me tell you that the Lord has an army. He has fields wide on the harvest. He needs sons and daughters who know how to work and how to labor, how to show up, how to do the things that he has to be done. And he'll discipline you if he has to, to get you where you need to be to do what he has for you to do. Verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers. Mm, here's a hard word. Then are ye all bastards and not sons. Very strong language. It says you are no child of God. God doesn't work on you and discipline you and get you to do the things that he has for you to do. You have no father. Now this is a letter to the Hebrews, the ones who said, well, Abraham is our father, or the God of Abraham is our father. And Jesus was on record to say, he's not your father if you don't do the things that Abraham did. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. I could not imagine not giving reverence to my father. Because if any of you knew him, he was a bear. He was gentle as he could be until he wasn't. They said one day somebody had a wreck on Highway 2, and he went and released that person from that car. He was a bear. We've had earthly fathers. And we gave them reverence. It says, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Don't be afraid of the one that can destroy your fleshly body. Be afraid of the one who can destroy your soul in hell, is what the Bible says. Should you not fear, honor, and respect the father of your soul? 
Verse 10, it says, For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. Anybody ever been whipped for something that wasn't even your fault? I mean, just to make them feel better. It's happened to you. You've been disciplined for somebody else's mistake. That's how earthly fathers are. They don't know everything. They don't have all perspectives. Sometimes they're just worn out and want you to go away. Has nothing to do with what you've done or who you are. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Every time God disciplines you, it is for a reason. It is for a benefit. It is out of his wisdom and all understanding that he has. He knows every single, th every single thing about you. You've never been innocent in your life, and he knows it. So if he has to discipline you in some way, it is to correct your way to profit you and benefit your life. Now, no chastening, verse 11, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. If you have to interact with people much at all in your life, you know the ones who have discipline. And you know the ones that don't. It's very clear by the way they treat not only other people, but themselves. Some people have not yet learned to control their own tongue, their own demeanor, and it destroys their lives. All right, back to Psalm chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. Oh, save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? You know, God, show me mercy. I deserve justice, but I don't want justice. I want mercy. I had an older brother and sister that one time my mama knew that they were listening at the door. And I was uh, supposed to be disciplined or punished for something. And my mama took an old white belt, I, I can remember it, and she hit the counter with it. I don't know if they thought that was my butt or not, but anyway, she's hitting that counter instead of me. I was the baby. <laughs> but she knew they were listening at the door, so she had to at least, at least act like there was some sense of justice in that. And I remember that more than any whipping I got in my life. Thank you, Mother, for mercy. <laughs> my enemies are calling for justice. I heard another story. This father, his son, had gotten out of line and he was so afraid that his son had been whipped so many times that it just did not get through to him. So he took him back behind the woodshed and he began to strike his own leg over and over. And you know, his son probably winced the first time thinking this is going to hurt But when the blows began to fall upon his father instead of him, it broke his heart. Because then he realized his father wasn't doing it out of meanness or hatred or anything else. He was trying to help his son have life.
For in death there's no remembrance of thee in the grave. Who shall give thee thanks? David said, God, if you kill me, there'll be nobody left to write these songs for you. If you've ever had children, you thought, I've worked too hard to get you into this world and keep you here. Sometimes parents say things like, I brought you in, I can take you out, you know, that kind of stuff. But then you think about the nine months in the womb and you think about all the food that you fed them and, you know, all this other stuff. I mean, just the shelter you provide them, the clothes they've gotten. Well, then there's the fact of you go to jail. <laughs> you got caught. God loves you and he disciplines you and David said God how long is this discipline going to last I mean please don't kill me please don't kill me if you leave me here I'll write more songs I'll praise you I'll give you thanks if I'm in the grave I can't do that let's look at uh, Isaiah chapter 38 Isaiah 38, verse 17. Just a few verses there in Isaiah 38, verse 17. It says, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love toward my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. That's mercy. You know exactly who somebody is, and instead of keeping them in front of your face and going ahead and wiping them out, you decide to throw them behind your back and just keep on going. This King Hezekiah he got sick and, and pronouncement came that he was going to die and from the prophet and uh, Hezekiah you know, started praying. Lord, help me. Verse 18 says, For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. I get to do a lot of funerals. When a person passes away, that's the end of it. There's no more discipleship. There's no more opportunity to produce fruit for God's kingdom. You're gone. It's the end of praise and worship. Verse 19, it says, The living, the living, he shall praise thee. As I do this day, the Father to the children shall make known thy truth. Take every opportunity that you get to praise the Lord. I want to praise God today for something that happened in my life on Wednesday. On Wednesday, I got to go to court and adopt two babies. But that's only half the story of what happened on Wednesday. My wife woke up with severe pain. And I was praying, Lord, help us make it through this court session. And we did. By the grace of God, she was able to go in there and sit down and we went through everything and then we took pictures and she walked back out to the car and as soon as she got it back to the car, she doubled over in pain. Do you know what it's like to finish adopting the last two of six kids and then the mother gets ill and you don't know what's going on? <laughs> Do you know what thoughts run through your mind when your wife has unexplained pain in her abdomen and you go to the ER? And say, could you please tell me what this is? Now she's sitting here, so you know, you know the end of the story. Everything turned out fine. But the prayer was, Lord, help! 
I said, if you die and leave me, you better come back and pick out a new wife for me to help take care of all these kids. She said, it'll be your mama. She said, don't you worry about that. Praise the Lord, it turned out to be something that she could get over rather quickly, and she did. Was able to be here at church that night. But sometimes you face some things in your life that they're just too big for you to handle. You just leave it in the Lord's hands and say, Lord, help me. David was there over and over and over through his life. The giant was too big for him to kill by himself. With God's help, he could do it. David's army was too big for, I mean, Saul's army was too big for David to handle by himself. And God delivered him over and over again. You know one time David had to foam at the mouth and act like he was crazy? Because he was in enemy territory and he was captured and they took him before the king and he started scratching the doorpost and foaming at the mouth and they said, why have you brought me this idiot? <laughs> and it saved his life. And I was sitting over here thinking, from the beginning of David's life until the end of his life, he faced so many troubles and trials and tribulation. And yeah, in the middle of there, he really messed up. But a lot of the things that he faced had nothing to do with that. In this life, you will have trouble. If you've shown up today and you had not had any trouble, I want you to come tell me how you figured that out. I've had trouble, and you've had trouble, and David's had trouble. And he writes these songs and reminds God, God, if you'll deliver me, I'm going to keep praising you. So I want to praise God for what happened for me on Wednesday. Because we got everybody we could praying. Because I need help. It is not good for a man to be alone. That's why Eve was made in the first place. I don't know what Adam was doing. Goodness. Verse 20, it says, The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. You know, some of these old hymns, they don't mean nothing to these kids. I'm telling you, when I was a kid growing up in church, I sang these hymns, they didn't mean anything. But I go over to the nursing home and I sing some of these hymns and they're saying, Praise be to God, He's been with me all my life. You start singing through some of the lyrics of those hymns and people start Rejoicing in the Lord. It don't mean anything for you to think about peace like a river until you've had no peace. Or love like an ocean until you felt hatred. Or joy welling up in you like a fountain until you've been in the depths of sorrow. These songs we sing, they mean so much because they are a testament to what God has brought us through. Verse 7. It says, Mine eye, I'm sorry, verse, verse 6, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. How overwhelmed have you been? I don't cry very much. I tell people, my sister, she cries at commercials. You know, she'll cry at anything. 
Some people, they, they cry a lot. Some people don't cry very much at all. My, my 11-year-old makes fun of me because the day she was adopted, I sobbed like a baby. She still laughs at that. She can't forget it. I said, have you seen me cry since then? She said, no. I said, well, then you should think about that. I mean, why did I cry? She asked me this week. She said, you going to cry Wednesday when we adopt him, baby? And I said, it's not the same. You can't just you have no idea what's really going on. David was sobbing. He said, I've cried so many tears. I've been through so many hardships. I faced things that were just so heavy for me that it came out of my eyes. You've been there. Things that were just too much. Jesus was there. Uh, let's look at Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. You know, David is, is the one weeping here, but you know what Jesus does is he looks at the city of David and, and he begins to weep. Because he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's in store. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse 41. It says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. <clears throat> Jesus came to Jerusalem. As Jeremy sang this morning, it was hung on the cross. What judgment should be placed on the city that rejects the Son of God? For the enemies to surround it and to cast down every stone. That's what happens to a person that rejects Jesus. You see, your enemies are always going to surround you, but when you've got Christ, you've got life. You don't have anything to worry about. Things are always going to be hard in life. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of God or not. But the difference is, when your house is founded on the rock, you remain. This city was built on shifting sand because they refused to accept the cornerstone. And the city that Jesus is looking at and weeping over would tumble and fall. But the new Jerusalem will never fail. It'll never end. Verses 8 through 10 of Psalm chapter 6, it says, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Uh-oh. Enemies, get out! My Father has heard me. The Bible says, If you'll submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. And it's not because he's scared of you. 
is because when you submit to God, the enemy cannot stand. He is the Lord of hosts. Do you know what that means? He is the Lord of angel armies. There's nothing, nothing that could stand against you. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Verse 9, the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Some of you prayed and God won't receive it. He won't listen to you. The Bible says if my relationship with my wife is broken, that God won't hear my prayers. The Bible says if you come to offer something at the altar and somebody has something against you, get up and go make it right and then come and offer that gift. Your relationship with other people around you affects your prayer life with God. And some of y'all need to go get right with somebody before you try to live for Jesus. Before you pray and ask for anything, go make it right. Confess it. As much as it is, as it is within you to live at peace with all people. Be at peace. Verse 10, it says, Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Let God's discipline fall on them, not on me. God, I've been vexed. How long is this going to go on? God, I, look, if you'll release me from this, I'll praise you, I'll worship you, I'll glorify your name. Just anything, Lord, get me out from underneath this weight. And then you get the answer. And God in his steadfast love gives you mercy. And he releases you from some sin or from some sorrow in your life. And when he does, pray for your enemies. Pray for them. Pray that God will get a hold of them the way that he got a hold of you. You want to see your enemies change to do something right instead of something evil. It'll take God's intervention to do it. You can talk to your blue in the face, but you're not going to be able to change somebody's soul. It's not going to work. They need the father of all souls to discipline them. And unless God builds the house, the ones that labor, labor in vain. The last uh, passage I want to look at is Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. It really doesn't matter what name is on the sign out front. If it says Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or anything else, I mean, you can fill in the blank with whatever. Because the only ones that get to go to heaven are the ones that do the will of the Father. It has nothing to do with what church membership you have. If you don't know God's will and do it, you're not really his child. There's people that can play games of religion all day long. You can make up religions without God whatsoever. You can totally remove him. Some churches have motivational speakers that come up and they speak and then they have a, a, a meal. You know, they have a potluck and they say, we have all the things that church has just without the God. Welcome to the club. There's plenty of churches out there that are doing the exact same thing and they put God all over it. They don't do anything that Jesus told people to do. They don't feed people when they're hungry. 
They don't clothe people when they're naked. They don't give people a cup of cold water when they're thirsty. They don't visit people in prison or in the hospitals. They don't do any of the things that Christ asked people to do. They just play church. Many people will say, Lord, Lord, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, that's the one that truly belongs to him. Verse 22, it says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Verse 24, Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. Notice, even when your house is built on the rock, the storm still comes through. You're going to face storms in your life, even if you got Christ. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What's your life built on? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? A lot of people say, well, yeah, I call him Lord all the time. But do you do what he says? Do you obey him in your life? Preacher, I don't know what I'm supposed to obey. You know, sometimes my kids, there's six of them, we're outnumbered. They'll get off by themselves and start doing things that they come up with. And it doesn't matter if they're one year old or 17 years old. Sometimes they come up with things that I would not sanction. I would not allow it. <laughs> you know when it's really dangerous? When the toddler's room gets quiet. That's what it's really dangerous. You know to go and check on something. I sent my 15-year-old, I said, go check on them because this is what I think is happening. Sure enough, she walked in there and she said, yep, that's what's happening, Daddy. That's a lot of experience right there speaking, I'm telling you. When you get quiet, you know what's going on. God knows his children. But some of us don't know. Because what I just read was that many people say, didn't we do all this stuff in your name? And instead of him saying, come on in. Welcome to the new Jerusalem. He says, depart. Get out. Now what you hear when you get there is between you and him. But my job is to make sure that you know that casting out devils and preaching and all that stuff is not going to get you to heaven. You've got to go through the cross. The blood of Christ has to be applied to your life. If it's not, you're not getting in. Because the Bible says every one of us is a sinner and we all deserve hell. It's only by the mercy and grace of God that we get to go to heaven. Through the shed blood of his son Jesus. And if you don't accept his son, you've rejected him as a father. 
you know, I've asked my kids, I asked them before we did our last adoption, I asked them before we did this one. I said to the oldest ones, I said, now, do you understand what this means? If we adopt these two kids, instead of getting 50-50 on inheritance, it jumps down to 25, 25, 25, 25. I said, you're splitting it by four ways. Are you sure? And they said, well, yeah. They don't think I'm going to have much anyway. So. I asked all four of them before we went through this adoption on Wednesday. I said, now, do you understand that this goes six ways from here on out? Yeah, Daddy, we don't care. We don't care. We want them. I'm afraid there's a lot of churches sitting on their inheritance not willing to share it with anybody. What a stupid idea. They care more about a building or a bank account than they do God's treasure. God treasures people so much that he shed his son's blood to redeem people. He loves them. And he's done everything that he can to save them. And it's our job to tell them. Let's pray. God, I thank you for adopting me. I had a pretty good earthly father. He's been gone a while. But I've never been without you. Not one day in my life. God, I've done many things that you were not proud of. And I've been disciplined for a lot of them. I know you're still working on me. <clears throat> God, I want to surrender my life to you. God, if there's anything in my life that shouldn't be there, I pray that you'd help me get rid of it. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for this church that it will be made up of godly individuals seeking your will for their lives. This church will be built upon the foundation of Jesus, not on the shifting sand of this world, so that we may stand <coughs> until our Lord shows up. In Jesus' name I pray.